You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. God calls him to leave his jobs and go speak a word for the Lord. And he does. He lives in Tekoa, 10 miles south of Jerusalem. He mentions two kings in verse 1. One, Uzziah, king of Judah. The other, Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. I don't want to assume everybody knows, but there was a knucklehead named Rehoboam a son of Solomon. All throughout the Bible, when God calls people to himself, he doesn't just tell them to follow after him. He also calls them to leave their old life behind. Today, Pastor Danny will be teaching you through the book of Amos, and he'll be challenging you to obey the voice of God and to forsake any sinful activities you're involved in so that God can use you as a mouthpiece. When you become filled with the Holy Spirit and you cooperate with the work that he's trying to do within you, he can pour out into others around you. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Amos, chapter 1. As he begins his message, Amos Overview, a familiar but unpleasant message. Amos chapter 1 and verse 1. The words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa. Tekoa was about 10 miles south of Jerusalem. What he saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake. When Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. There's the outline for my message. The prophet Amos, the time in which he ministered, and what he saw concerning Israel. The prophet Amos, the time in which he ministered, and what he saw concerning Israel. Let's start with the prophet. He's an unlikely choice as a prophet. He tells us in the opening verse he was a shepherd. In chapter 7, he will tell us not only was he a shepherd, but he had a side job. He took care care of some sycamore fig trees. What you would not have got in your normal reading, I got from the hours I spent studying and preparing. And what you would not have got in your normal reading is that the shepherd, Amos, it's not the normal word for shepherd. It's a word... For a shepherd that's a wealthy shepherd, or he works for a wealthy owner of flocks. Why is that important? Because God calls Amos. He's a shepherd. He's got a good job. He's not just got one good job. He's got two good jobs. He's doing fine financially. And God calls him to leave his jobs and go speak a word for the Lord. And he does. 
He lives in Tekoa, 10 miles south of Jerusalem. He mentions two kings in verse 1. One, Uzziah, king of Judah. The other, Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. I don't want to assume everybody knows, but there was a knucklehead named Rehoboam, a son of Solomon. And because of Rehoboam's stupidity, he caused Israel to be divided. Northern tribes, southern tribes led by Judah. So that there were two kingdoms, even though God intended it to be one kingdom, and there ended up being a king of the north and a king of the south. Amos is from south, from Judah. He lives 10 miles south of Jerusalem in an area called Tekoa. Why is that important? You would think that when God calls him and he says, okay, I'll go be your preacher. He would say, well, start your church right there where you are, somewhere near. Maybe go to Jerusalem. He doesn't do that. He tells him to go to the northern tribes. Why would God do that? Well, he doesn't tell us, but I have a thought. A prophet is not without honor except in his own country. That's what the Bible tells us. <laughs> if you're a parent, you're going to learn this. <laughs> You tell your kids time and time and time again, you tell them the same thing for years. Somebody else years later tells them the same thing, and they come home and they tell you about it, and you go, I've been telling you that for years. A prophet is not without honor except in his own country. It happens in families. It happens in churches. It's going to be a challenge for some of us to hear because it's me, and you're familiar with me. I pray that we hear God's voice through Amos. He's an unlikely candidate. He hears the call of God. He responds. He goes to the northern tribes, the northern kingdom. And he speaks a message. It's a very familiar message in the Bible. But it's not a pleasant one. I felt it strongly this morning, and, and I'm just trying to do what I feel the Lord led me to do. I didn't feel it in regard to last night's service, but I felt it strongly for the first service, and I'm feeling it a little bit for this one. And what I mean by that is, uh, let me pause for just a minute and say to someone on behalf of the Lord, if God called you to leave your job, to leave your jobs, to leave the financial security of your work, if He called you and you knew He called you, would you step out by faith? Would you go? There may be somebody God's calling. And you'll say by faith, God, if it's you calling me, you make it clear. I'll leave the security of my job or jobs, and I will follow your call. And he may call you to leave where you're comfortable, your hometown, the people you know, the schools your children are familiar with. He may call you by faith. Would you go? Unlikely 
candidate. Here's the call of God. Called not where he grew up, not where he lives, but called to go to the northern kingdom. And let me tell you, when he goes and he speaks the message that God has for him to speak, <laughs> you read chapter 7. Uh, go back there just for a minute. Chapter 7, here's how things go for him. Chapter 7, Amos, verse 10. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words. Well, this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam's going to die by the sword. Israel will surely go into exile, away from their native land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, get out of here, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Go home. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. He's got the religious leader reporting to the king and then saying, you just get out of here. Neither one of us want to hear what you have to say. Some people would have hightailed it back home. Not Amos. Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor a prophet's son, but I was a shepherd. I also took care of sycamore fig trees, but the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go, prophesy to my people Israel. Now then, hear the word of the Lord. Wow. He's going to tell them even though they don't want to hear it. You say, don't prophesy against Israel and stop preaching against the house of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city. Your sons and daughters are going to fall by the sword. They're going to meet a tragic end. Your land will be measured and divided up, and you yourself will die in a pagan country. And Israel will certainly go into exile away from their native land. You're already not liked. You already got the leading religious leader and the president, the, the king, telling you, get out of here. But instead of leaving, he stands. He delivers the word the Lord has for him to deliver. And it was one they didn't want to hear. Wow. I put in my notes, Amos got in trouble with the king and with the religious leadership. And then you know what I wrote? By the way, so did Jesus. And so will you if you live in a culture like Amos did. First point, Amos the prophet. We'll leave that one. Second point, the time in which he ministered. He's very careful, verse 1, to tell us it's when Uzziah was king in Judah, southern kingdom, and Jehoash, Jehoash, or Jeroboam, son of Jehoash. He wants to tell us it's a different Jeroboam than the other knucklehead Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who brought idolatry into the land of Israel. He wasn't the only king that did that. Matter of fact, they, they had it time and time and time again. Jeroboam, if you're a note taker, and for some reason our PowerPoint is not working on the side monitors, so those of you in the caves, 
will have to peek over. If you're a note taker, you want to note down the time in which Amos ministered is when King Jeroboam is king of the northern kingdoms. 2 Kings chapter 14 tells us about this Jeroboam son of Jehoash. Spiritually, he was an idolater. But politically, he was a very shrewd king. And because of his reforms and because of his political prowess, he recovered for Israel land that they had lost from the far north to the far south. Unfortunately, the blessing turned into a curse. Why? Oh, Lord, stock market going up, everybody's jobs doing well, economy flourishing. But instead of it being the blessing that it could be, what happened? Spiritual apathy, moral decline. Some people wrongly believe that the sin of Sodom, Sodom, which God destroyed by fire and brimstone, that the sin of Sodom was homosexuality. That's not what the Bible says. If you're a note taker, you can write down Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49. It tells us there that the sin of Sodom was that they were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. The summary of that is they were a very comfortable people in a comfortable culture. Everything was going good economically, but spiritually, they were apathetic. They were into their own lives, their own families, their own um, personal well-being. And what happened, what happened in Sodom over a period of time, because of the blessing of the prosperity, they become apathetic spiritually, morally. They begin to go downhill. And over time, that decline in morality manifested itself not just in sexual sin and a party lifestyle and living for now and living for pleasure. It manifested itself ultimately in perversion. And we know Sodom best for homosexuality. But that wasn't the root problem. That was a byproduct of the real root problem. They were arrogant. They were overfed. They were unconcerned. I don't know if you pay attention to the culture that we live in. And I'm talking specifically not just about America. I'm talking about where we live in Pinellas County, where we live in St. Petersburg, Florida. It's hard to go anywhere anymore and not see girls holding hands. And it's not because they're bosom buddies at school. It's because they're lesbians. It's hard to go anywhere and not see guys holding hands. Our country is now recognizing that it's okay for them to get married. But worse than that, our country, our country in churches that claim to serve God are actually ordaining homosexuals.
The challenge is to love them just like we would love any person out of the will of God and yet not say it's okay. It's not okay. Sin of any kind, of any shape, of any form is not okay. Amos had a tremendous challenge. The economic prosperity, which unfortunately fed the spiritual apathy and the moral decline, that's the culture he had to minister in. Before I go on to the next point, I noted and I thought about in my study in Revelation 2 and 3 where Jesus writes seven letters to seven churches in history. And only two out of the seven does he have no rebuke for. It's interesting the two he had no rebuke for. One is the church of Philadelphia, and that church, he says, I know you have little strength, but you remain faithful to my name despite your little strength. The second church is the church of Smyrna, and that is the suffering church. I thought about it, and I thought about my conversation Thursday night at dinner in Punta Gorda, Florida, just south of us with Pastor Aaron Smith. He's become a friend of mine. He and his wife spent time as missionaries in Mexico. And I asked him in casual conversation at dinner, do you miss Mexico? Oh, yes. I said, does your wife miss Mexico? And I expected him to say, no, my wife doesn't miss Mexico. But he said, she misses it more than me. And so I probed. You know why they miss Mexico so much? Because they left the comfort and the beauty of the Northwest. He wasn't disappointed to leave the cold of the Northwest in America and follow a call of God and go to Mexico as missionaries. And they left by faith. They did what Amos did. They left security of a fireman's position and, and jobs, and they left, and by faith, they went to Mexico, and he began to tell me about their experience in Mexico and what life there was in the church in Mexico where they served. And the people, if you make a good salary, you make about $5 a day. And he said, though they have virtually nothing, when you come together as a church, the life that they have is amazing. Made me long for that kind of experience. But God called them from Mexico, and they're the only two Americans I know that have served in a place like Mexico, and Mexico has sent them out to America. You know it's pretty bad when countries like Mexico are sending missionaries here. And they didn't want to leave. But again, they followed the call of God. Made me think of a Russian translator that I used many years when I ministered in Russia. Young lady, single lady. Somebody sponsored her to go to Southern California and go to Calvary Chapel Bible College. She went. After being there for some time, I happened to run into her while I was out there, and she pulled me aside. And with tears in her eyes, she began to tell me 
how she had become a bit apathetic. How she didn't have the same zeal that she once had in Russia when she was making $100 a month and had not the comforts of America. And coming here to America, somebody graciously, lovingly provided for her. And she didn't have the money to go back home during holidays. And so people would invite her into their homes. And some of them very well-off Christians. And as loving as they were, it backfired. And she began to fall into the apathetic, apathetic attitude that sometimes we have here in America because of the comforts. So there's Amos the prophet. In the time in which he ministered, it's not unlike the time we minister now. And finally, what he saw, what God showed him concerning Israel. Right out of the gate, he begins to preach. Chapter 1, verse 3, this is what the Lord says. For three sins of Damascus, that's outside of Israel, that's pagan land. Even for four, I will not turn back my wrath. And then begins to mention some of the things they did wrong. Verse 6, he says, for three sins of Gaza, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath. Then he begins to mention some of the things they did wrong. Verse 9, for three sins of Tyre, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath. Another area outside of Israel. Verse 11, three sins of even, Edom, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath. Then begins to mention some of the things they did. Verse 13, Ammon, same thing. Three sins, four, I will not turn back my wrath. Begins to mention some of the things they did. Chapter 2, he opens with Moab. Now listen, all these people that are mentioned as Amos is prophesying to the northern kingdom of Israel, they would have went, amen, those guys are wicked. Amen, they're messed up. Amen, they need to get right. But it's when he gets to chapter 2, verse 4, that their attitude changes and the amens silence. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Judah... That's where he came from. Even though he's ministering in the north, he's saying, we got a problem too down south where I came from. And then he begins to mention things that God has against them. And then in verse 6, for three sins of Israel, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath. Then he begins to mention things. And here's some of the things he mentions. Injustice, greed, selfish indulgence, sexual immorality, Problems with alcohol. You could say drugs. And at that point, it might have gotten as silent as it did right here, right now. Nobody was amening. Because now the message was for them. Now it got real personal. It's interesting in chapter 2, verse 11, and it's interesting, too, that as he says, for three sins, even for four, what does that mean? It was a way of poetically saying, you don't just have one problem, you've got several issues. It started with one, but then it, it went to this and that, and, and it spread. And that's what sin does. It starts here, and then it spreads.
so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. We'd like to take a moment and offer you an opportunity to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of this program? Pray that God would touch each person with His love and that their hearts would be open to the truth of the gospel. Please also pray for us. We want to continue following God's plan for this program, no matter where He asks us to go. We know the power of prayer, and we appreciate you doing this for us. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to the Living Word? This program is professionally produced to provide the best quality messages possible so as not to distract from God's truth. That does incur some costs, though. So if you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under Forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share the good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website one more time is ccfstpete.church. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for being a part of our time here today on The Living Word.